0: Welcome to Olivet Community Church. Got lawnmowers going on outside and sun shining in the late Saturday afternoon windows here. We found out just a few hours ago that for everyone's protection, we needed to, um, to go virtual for a couple of weeks. And uh, we're so grateful uh, for those who helped us get the message out to our flock. And also then who worked like banshees to be able to get this um, message to you. But I just want to invite you as we gather together, would you do us a favor and uh, text your name to area code uh, 812-457-9509. It's so helpful for us as we know who's with us and uh, anything that is going on in the life of our congregation. Those of you joining us from around the country and around the world, um, we're just grateful for your presence as well. There's some way that we can pray for you, that we can join with what God is doing in and through your life. We would just greatly desire to do that. Just a couple things going on in the life of our congregation. Uh, this Friday begins 40 days of prayer. And we had a book that we prepared for you, but were unable to get it um, this Sunday because of the COVID situation. But, but we will be posting on Olivet's site, and I believe also on Awaken Evansville site, daily um, prayer devotions to help think through the different aspects of our society and to pray, pray for God to be glorified and honored through this whole uh, 40 days leading up to our election. And we're just really grateful that God is sovereign, amen? He is not surprised by any of the circumstances we find ourselves in, and He is moving. He is sovereignly intervening in the course of human history to bring himself glory and to bring blessing to us his people. So uh, we just invite you to drink deep of this season. Uh, I'll remind you that just immediately following our online worship today you may join uh, other uh, small groups that are getting together virtually and opening God's Word together. Also midweek we have at least three other opportunities midweek for Women or men or both to get together uh, and open God's word together. So I just invite you to drink deep. Believe uh, that God is going to use this special circumstances for his glory. Wanted to let you know that there's a couple people in our congregation that you can be praying for. Um, both uh, Andrew and Barbara Sokup have, um, have been diagnosed with COVID and are expressing uh, symptoms talked with Andrew this morning and he is um, he is uh, grateful that the symptoms are not as severe as many have experienced. Barbara's are a little bit more but she is uh, like a trooper um, bearing up and and trusting God through that. Um, Dave Heardink also uh, one of our elders and uh, one of the members of our worship team has contracted COVID and and uh, Dave our hearts and prayers are with you and Just look forward with joy to God, glorifying himself through your healing. We uh, remember uh, many of you are wearing on your wrists uh, a bracelet that says Riley Strong. We remember one of our youth, Riley, who is beginning tomorrow uh, a second round of chemotherapy in Indianapolis. And and, uh, we want to be lifting him up and asking God's blessing on him and his extended family as well. And then this week also uh, we just uh, covet your prayers for Another uh, one of our members, Donna Cully, who will be having surgery on Wednesday. So um, let's just be the family of God, shall we? Let's just lift one another up and, and trust one another to God during these um, critical days. Pray with me now, would you? God, thank you that you are sovereign. Thank you that your word um, never returns to you void without accomplishing its purposes. Thank you that. That you have left behind on this earth a body to represent you, to be the visible manifestation of the invisible God. And Lord, as we, um, as we seek to honor you by being just that, we ask that you would strengthen us, that you would be with those who have been isolated now for upwards of six months. Um, God, for those who um, have been apart from their families and from our church family, we just pray your presence. We pray that your spirit would do that miracle where you join us even though we're physically apart and allow us to sense your presence and one another's love at the same time. And then God, we just join with our nation in crying out for deliverance that in your perfect timing, you would end this pestilence. Father, we who now are so aware of how blessed we are God of, of this God who we spoke of, who who heals our disease, who who created us, informed us, and knows our inmost parts. Oh God, glorify yourself! Would you through our deliverance? And then, God, we just pray that, having been set apart for your holy purposes, that you who created us and formed us and placed us in this fallen world would deliver us from the brokenness that you would use us to shine like lights into dark places god that when everyone else is overwhelmed by the physical emotional and spiritual circumstances in which they find themselves that god our family and your body would would shine like lights in that darkness And God, we're so grateful that that you never leave us or forsake us. You always give us exactly what we need when we cry out to you. So even apart today, virtually, we join our voices with the saints who have gone before, who've called upon you, God, through the words that your son Jesus taught us to pray, saying together, our Father, who art in heaven, Amen, amen. continue our study today we have been exploring what does it mean to be human oh we can we can speak into all the biology of it we we know the physiology of it and and the science behind it but there there is something more in in this magnificent creation that god has made called humanity there's there's something more and it's and it's it's not just a formula or an algorithm it's 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 not just material it is it is something beautiful something magnificent something even artistic and in in the midst of all the craziness in many ways recognizing that we've lost our way as people we've lost our way as a culture we no longer know what is right and what is wrong what is true and what is false and in the midst of all that we've gone back to the very beginning we've unashamedly said we're gonna we're gonna trust god's word to speak into our circumstances so over over these last weeks we've studied together the art of being human as god created us We've been in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 and Genesis 3, exploring the magnificence of the pinnacle of his creation, humankind. But today we want to go back and and say, what does it mean to be human? What are are we created now to be and to do? We've, We've spent a little bit of energy on that already. If I were to ask you, what are we created to be? To do, you would probably quote the first question out of the Westminster shorter catechism to me. You would you would say our purpose is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever, and you would be exactly right. But what does that look like? Especially in a in a fallen world, what does it look like to really rejoice in God? To really glorify Him through Our lives. To continue that discussion today we're going to go back to Genesis. We're going to go back to the original created design. Over the last few weeks we've been exploring both the beauty of God's creation but also the horror and and the difficulty of the fall. But today we're going to go back to humanity in particular. And these last couple of weeks of our study focus especially on on How do we live this life that God created us to live? And I'm going to take you back to a familiar passage. We are in, we are in Genesis chapter one, beginning in verse 26, open your ears and your heart. Would you to the very word of God? Beginning in verse 26, then God said, this is six days into creation. When everything has been perfectly prepared for humanity, then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps along the ground. Last week we learned what one of those was, didn't we? Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the very things he just mentioned, over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves along the earth, right? God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed. Notice that seed thing mentioned twice there. In its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. Remember that in the formula? God said, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, now for the first time in creation, behold, it was very good. Five times he said it was good. Now he says it's very good. And it was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Now, while you're there on your phone or in your Bible, just look over. We're going to pick up uh, a section of scripture from Genesis chapter two. Remember when we looked at Genesis chapter two, we saw it was not in conflict with chapter one. It was a, uh, it was zooming in on the the. Last half of the sixth day when God created humanity. But I want to pick it up just for purposes today. at, At chapter 215, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden. Look at this. To work it and to keep it. To work it and to keep it. The very word of God. Thanks be to God. Well, it's our great privilege to be able to open God's word together and to explore it together. But let me pray one more time as we begin together. Can we do that? Oh, God, my, my heart is heavy even as, as I open your word um, today. God, I, I'm mindful for those who are in such great need, not just in our family. Our, our family is a microcosm of the larger world. There are so many. So many who need a physical touch from you. There's so many who who need emotional healing from you, God. We're broken. We're broken and we need you. But God, there are so all of us really need a spiritual touch from you. Would you speak to our spirits today? God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen, amen. Well, if you could do anything, what would you do? I'm really thinking in terms of um, doing something with your life that would have significance. You see, I think what we do is central to our humanity. Oh, I know. I I myself have said over and over to you, um, who you are is critical, and that's absolutely true. But I don't think, I don't think that that's in contrast to what we do. I think that what we do flows from who we are. Does that make sense? What we do flows from who we are. But if if there's never any action, uh, there's never any activity of our lives as a result of who we think we are, are we really what we think we are? That makes sense. Um, what we do flows from who we are. Well, when I when I think about our lives, where do we spend the majority of our time? What roughly a third of it is sleeping, and I'm not making fun of that. Believe me, I I just rejoice. I usually go to bed around 11 when I'm able to rest. We're going to explore all of that next week together. I'm so grateful for that. And, and healing happens in, in our rest and in our sleep. But, but when you look at the balance of our life, the other 16 hours of our life, the bulk of that is spent for many of us in work, isn't it? In, in our life's occupation, right? So it's, it's ironic that, uh, as a as a pastor, I spend um, the bulk of my time trying to teach you about what to do with your life in that last eight hours, in those eight hours of discretionary time, when when at least half of your discretionary time, half of your non-sleeping time, is spent at work. I realized this um, um, a year ago, and begin praying that God would uh, allow me to um, to spend time with non-believers in their workplaces our session was very gracious and granted me a couple of hours a week to to um, work in the marketplace to to spend time with those of you who spend a third of their lives at a workplace and I have found that so fruitful on the one hand, um, so refreshing to begin to explore the possibilities of what God could do with one-third of our lives, right? But I have to tell you also that it has been heartbreaking to some extent. Well, I think of one gentleman in particular, I'll call him Fred, that's not his real name, Who who I got to spend time with last week. And... And, uh, and every question I asked, Fred, Fred, so excited that you're working here. What, um, what brought you um, to work here? And Fred said, well, I need money. And, and I said, so it's not really, um, this isn't your, your sense of what you were called to do with your life. And he goes, no, it's just a job. It's just a job. My heart kind of broke because I thought Fred is going to spend a third of his life hating what he does spending it just to get money so that he could do what he really wants in that free time i want to talk to you about all of life all of life i believe that god speaks into all of our life so what does it mean to be a disciple of jesus now not just on sunday mornings between nine and ten o'clock right what does it mean to be a disciple of jesus not just at church but at our homes in our homes and at our jobs as well at school at the gym at the coffee shop right on our day off when we go shopping when we're on a date what does it what does it look like to to find God in all of life it means we're gonna have to talk about work it means we're gonna have to recognize that we spend the lion's share of our life in this one small uh, area, our job, our career, our vocation. Let me just point out the way of Jesus is a seamless, integrated life where there's no polarization between what is spiritual and, and what is secular. Where there's no difference between what is holy and what is holy. And all of life is full immersion into what Jesus calls the kingdom of God. That's what we want to explore through this Genesis passage. So the question for us, if you're taking notes, is what does it mean to be human? Why do we exist? What are we here for? What is our meaning, our purpose, our significance? Is there any Every every religion or form of spirituality, right, comes up with some kind of answer to these primal ancient questions. Because we're all born with them, right? That's part of our created being. We're born with this haunting question in the back of our minds: why am I here? Well, what if what if the answer was right here in front of us, sitting on the coffee table? In our living room, or maybe dusty on a shelf on our bookshelves. What if the answer was there the whole time? In Genesis 1:26, we read, then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them have dominion. Let them rule. Let them, I like the NLT, let them reign, right? God is inviting. You, to partner with him in his purposes. And and the language that he's using to describe that partnership is, is the language of kingdoms and kings and queens, right? We are his vice regents, placed strategically to have dominion over his creation. In our Genesis 2 passage, which is, again, this in-depth look at the second half of the day of creation. We read, the Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. So so what is our purpose, right? Let me just pick up, if you're just joining us this week, let me pick up a couple of thoughts from previous weeks. We've seen that one of God's purposes for us is to be uh, this his representation, a visible representation of. Of the invisible God. We're to be his icon, to be his statues. Do you remember that? We're, we're to be the exact representation or representation of his being in the world today. But here, we see today that you and I were created also to have dominion or to partner with God in reigning over the earth. That's our meaning, that's our purpose that's why we exist let me press pause for a second last week we looked at the fall and we saw that there's this very real presence of evil in our midst and and um and we talked the last couple weeks really about the strategies of the evil one last week about how to overcome the evil one but can you see here why this is such a struggle right there is another one who wants to reign on earth revelation 12 remember that um verses 10 through 12 talked about satan being cast out of heaven and cast down to earth and do you remember those words in 3:12? But woe to the earth and to the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He's filled with fury, because he knows his time is short. Why is it such a struggle for us to live out our purpose? Because there is one here, prince of the air, who is, who is uh, attempting to reign over this earth. The very thing that God charged you and me to do. Right? So, so it's no surprise that this is a difficult journey. It's no surprise that that we struggle to fulfill God's purposes for us. But let's explore it, if we can, a little bit together. Let me ask you this, why, why do we work, right? Well, to explore why we work, let's ask you, why do you work, right? The mantra of our culture is, I work to live, right? i want to i want to just parse out for a second a couple of of um, thoughts and i'm thinking about my friend fred here again a couple of synonyms we use to describe work that really uh, betray a completely different perspective those words are job career and vocation right what is a job well in my conversation with with Fred, what I discerned was that he understood a job to be something that he did to make money so that he could pay for the things that he needed, right? And, and I know that some of you use the word job for a much larger picture, but I want to I try and express some concepts to you. And, and and so at its very core, a job is something you do to get the resources to do what you want to do. A career is different, isn't it? A, a career is kind of a longer... View. something something that not only provides for me the resources I need for today like a job but but also uh, provides resources for a time when I'm no longer learning I'm thinking uh, uh, excuse me not no longer learning no longer working I'm thinking ahead then and and setting apart for myself a path that may last 20 or 30 years uh, and and I'm thinking ahead both about provisions for that time but I'm also thinking a career seems to imply something greater. Be, besides just being a purely utilitarian aspect, it also incorporates my abilities and my, my gifts in a way that, that maybe gives me meaning and purpose and, and blesses other people. I'm so overjoyed to watch uh, my daughter um, explore uh, career not just a job but a career. she has a job but she is forming a, a, a career and uh, and she comes alive when she talks about it and I I, I I'm just seeing that it's gonna be a, a neat fit it seems to be a very neat fit her unique giftedness and and the life changing aspects of the career which she is seeking um, just seemed to be a perfect fit and it just brings me so much joy so it's different isn't it than a job but then also I invite you to think about um, another word and that word is vocation there was a time whenever you heard that word you only thought about nuns and priests that that this vocation meant spiritual vocation but what does that word really mean can you hear in that Latin a root the, the English word "vocalize." Can you hear that? A Vocation or vocalize. A vocation is both a calling to be whom God created you to be, right? But it's also a vocalization of who you are to the word, to the world. It's it's your unique voice, right? It's your unique life speaking to the world and. And I'm thinking of that song, let my life song sing to you, God, right? It's your unique life speaking to the world. I've shared with you before, but one of my favorite poets is Frederick Beekner, And he was a Presbyterian minister who just had a gift of, of um, thinking things through and expressing them. He said this vocation is where your greatest joy and the world's greatest need meet where your greatest joy remember Westminster Catechism yeah to enjoy him forever your greatest joy and the world's greatest need meet Do you see how that's so much more than a job do you see how that's so much more than than a career even your life's work is you You're calling to do what God made you to do. And your life's work is your voice to declare the glory of God to the world. Do your life's work in such a way that the world glorifies your Father who is in heaven. Right? Oh my goodness. The scripture puts it slightly different. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I want to press pause for a moment because I recognize that that right now some of you don't have jobs. And I'm not trying to to step on your emotions right here. I just want to call you to to seek even even something more. You may have a job now that is not um perfect fit for you. That's okay. You're being responsible by by working to put bread on the table. but At the same time, I want to invite you to think deeper. I want you to trust who God made you to be. I want you to listen for for your vocation and not just a job or a career. I wonder sometimes if we don't do our children a disservice. I know I'm going to step on some toes here, but follow me for a second. I wonder if we don't do them a disservice when we say to them, you can be anything you want to be, right? Because what it does is put them at the center of their universe. And, And that's not what Genesis says to us is true, right? Here's the reality. You were meticulously designed and formed in your mother's womb to this unique, Creation, this miracle, this, how does Paul put it, a masterpiece, right? And, and, and and God created you to be that masterpiece. And, and so if you suddenly decide you want to be something else, I'm stepping on my own toes here. If you suddenly decide, God, I don't trust you and, and I'm going to do something different, then, then you can get a job and you can spend 35 years of your life doing that job. And, And then you can retire and and do whatever you want to do for fun, right? But you would have missed God's purpose for your life. What if instead we affirm to our children, "You, you are a beautiful creation of God? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I think the Holy Spirit's telling me that some of you have never heard that. You have never heard that from someone. I don't want to even try and replace your father or your mother or your significant other. I, I. But I do say confidently from your Heavenly Father, you are a beautiful creation of God, right? You are. Own that. Own that. Let that be the foundation from which your life springs, right? You are a beautiful creation of God and he has uniquely enabled you and gifted you with skills and passions and abilities that only you can give to the world, right? Only you can give to the world. So let me walk with you today as you discover and open your heart and mind to whom God created you to be. So vocation is not so much something you choose, right? I think I'll be well, I did this. I think I'll be a mechanical engineer two years later. I think I'll be an engineering geologist two years later. God, this is not who you created me to be. I don't trust you, God, because I know other people who went into ministry and, 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 and it wasn't a fit and they wanted out and they didn't know what else to do. Can you hear, can you hear my distrust? And finally, after wandering in a wilderness of a helping profession, yeah, I tried to get part of that right, uh, but, but not my calling, God and I just had kind of a conversation. I sensed him saying to me, what do you want, Dave? I've been speaking to you for, at that point, three years, and you're not doing it. What do you want? And I finally had to just own up, God, I, I want what you called me to do. And I left what I was doing and I went back to school and, and all of a sudden what was four years of difficulty in college became like second nature all of a sudden I it was a hand and glove all of a sudden I was where God created me to be oh, I want to encourage you I want to encourage you the world and the flesh and your own flesh and the evil and are conspiring to to tell you that that you can be anything you want but I I want to I want to Affirm that God has a beautiful plan for your life. And, and as you open your heart to him, and open your heart to your brothers and sisters, and, and begin listening, he'll speak to that. He will. Um, we have been inculturated that there's this American dream out there, right? And it's a beautiful dream. I'm not doubting that again. Don't you ever think I'm not blessed and excited to be an American, Right? But it started out with this brilliant idea that everyone should have a shot at happiness. We've explored that together, right? But it devolved over the years into this narcissistic desire to make as much money as possible in as little time as possible with as little effort as possible, right? So we can stop working, stop doing what I'm going to suggest to you was God's call for our life and go do something else instead, what? A miserable way to live, right? And I've met so many people that were miserable in their jobs, but they could not let go of it to embrace their calling instead. It's like, like they lost something central to who they are. Well, let me just say this. In Genesis' vision of humanness, we don't work to live. You're not going to like this. We don't work to live. But we live to work. Are you kidding me, Pastor Dave? No. No, but again, you're sliding back into the job uh, definition rather than the calling definition, right? I I don't know, but I, I know it's been less than 10 days in my life where I didn't want to just get up and... Go do what God called me to do. Um, wow, wouldn't it be beautiful to, to look forward to working with our hands, to, to serving coffee at, at Starbucks, to helping a uh, disabled person in a medical profession, to, to, to paving streets or to doing whatever God has uniquely gifted and qualified you to do. Wouldn't it be beautiful to look forward to that? find the center of who God created us to be. Well, Genesis flat out says, we were created to work, but that work is beautiful. It's to have dominion over the world. I think that that's why unemployment is so gut-wrenching, right? Because when we don't work, there's something central to our nature that is missing, right? And I think that we have missed the boat in, in trying to just provide for that without giving people real jobs, right? If you just give them something, it, it reinforces the brokenness. It reinforces the the um, the fact that they haven't found that center from which life flows, right? I think that's why some people hate what they do so much, right? No matter how much money, it doesn't have to do with how much money you make. There are, there are people making 10 times as much as you or I who would we're even more discontent right they're they, they're not happy right it's not about the amount oh i think that's why so many men i'm going to speak to you men for a second die when they stop working right because work is so central to who god created us to be i'm going to say again to you and yes, I, I don't get back to it later many of whom i'm speaking to are retired And that that has nothing to do with this. That means you quit your day job and now you're completely free to embrace God's calling on your life. It has nothing to do with whether or not you receive a paycheck. It has everything to do with the significance and effectiveness of your life from this day forward. So, So we don't work to live. We live to work. And when we stop working, We lose a part of who we are. Don't confuse this with rest. I'm going to to come right back at you next week and say, for for many of us, the problem is not that we don't work. The problem is that we live to work and we never rest. and We pay for it in our bodies, our souls, our marriages, and and our our spiritual lives. Next week, we will will, uh, talk about the importance of rest, But, but I want to understand today that the passages we are looking at happened before the fall work became very difficult for Adam um, as a result of the fall but work was given to him as a blessing as a gift even before the fall so what does it mean to work or let me flip that how can we make our work meaningful in our passage today we saw six powerful words that help us understand this idea of meaningful work and each word or or idea would be worthy of so much more exploration i just really invite you to do that open up genesis find one of these words look at the cross references use it in your daily soap study or your small groups but this morning i want to i want to highlight them by grouping them these six words into two basic ideas filling the earth and subduing the earth. Filling the earth and subduing the earth, right? Now let me note again that that God commanded them to do these things as he commanded them to do these things. He blessed them. This is a blessing. This is a blessing of God. Well, what are those? The first one, to fill the earth. What does it mean to work? It means to fill Now, using the, the formula from our study of the Beatitudes, we understand that blessed by God means kissed by God, right? Blessed or kissed by God are those who fill the earth. Well, with what? With what are we to fill the earth? Fill the earth with the image of God. Fill the earth with the image of God. Genesis 1.27 said, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. I I don't want you to miss this. A part of God's mandate for us is to fill the earth with representations, with with little um, God representatives. God's purpose for us is to fill the earth with people. And, and again, I, my heart breaks because I know, like Karen and I, some of you struggle to have children. Some of you have not found a life a partner yet, a mate, a, a husband or a wife who, who can uh, join with you in this beautiful thing of God. That's okay. It's worth waiting for. It is worth waiting for. But don't mistake this. Uh, I know that, that it's tempting to say, well, we should do our part for overpopulation and not have children. Well, what will happen? Then there will be uh, an increasing population, but there won't be Christians represented. There won't be little followers of Jesus. There won't be little representatives of God in there because because um, we didn't answer and fulfill this part of the mandate. So, so fill the earth, right, with the image, the representation of God, with followers of Jesus. I'll pick up both the... the Children aspect of that, but also our spiritual children aspect of that in a moment, but also fill the earth with the knowledge or the experience of God. Isaiah nine eleven says, "For the earth will be filled." This beautiful vision of of glory, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. Isaiah nine eleven. Well, how are we to fill the earth? He tells us in three more words, right? Blessed or kissed by God are those who are fruitful, right? This image that appears, what, 168 times in scripture of fruitfulness. In other words, one one um, entity that has within it the seeds of hundreds more, right? That's this, this miracle of God's creation. That each of us are are. A fruit that has within it the seeds of, of so much more, but I want to suggest to you that there's two aspects of that. One is inward, and one is outward. The inner inward part is the inner fruit of righteousness or right relationships. Um, Galatians five twenty two is such a familiar passage for many. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is an inward fruit that is born as you embrace God's call on your life. But there is also an outward expression of that. In other words, not only will you be transformed on the inside, but God will use you to transform others. There's this outer fruit of discipleship. Remember the Great Commission? Matthew 28, 19-20 in particular? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the earth. So we are blessed or kissed by God to be fruitful inwardly and outwardly. But we're also blessed or kissed by God to, be, to multiply, To reproduce in exponential form the fruit of inward spirit and also outward discipleship. It means, it means to be fruitful. But it also means to subdue the earth. Blessed or kissed by God are those who subdue the earth. Note the strange descriptions of the earth, right? There's all this talk about geography, about rivers, about land where gold is found and all these different things what is what is he doing there why is this all in this particular passage and all of that we just believe that every word of god is critical is important right is valuable and so so what is happening here in this passage let me let me suggest to you that what's what's going on here is that that moses is describing the raw materials of Earth, right? Which, which in and of themselves have no benefit to humankind. But if we will work them, and steward them, take care of them, Genesis two, right? Then, then God will use us to multiply the blessing and the benefit through them. So, so subduing the earth means. Is speaking about those who will take raw materials of the earth and cultivate them and make them produce so much more 30 60 a hundred fold the value that they were in and of themselves it's people that will tame the wild right and increase its potential my family loves watching the the program alone where where 10 people are just planted out there in the wilderness and and uh, they have to figure out how to survive, how to tame that wilderness. And the reminder that it was for me was, was that um, the Garden of Eden wasn't an English garden. It wasn't a beautiful Japanese tea garden all cultivated where Adam and Eve can just traipse around. No, it was probably more like Vancouver Island where it took Matthew and I uh, a full day to go two miles through the, the, uh, rainforest to get to the beach right it's untamed wilderness chock full of potential god is inviting us to tame that wild earth to 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 bring its potential to fulfillment but it also speaks of those who take the raw materials of earth and create culture i'm so blessed by so many of your gifts where you take words and make them into beautiful um, prose or poetry. You take simple paint and, and, and canvas and make something beautiful out of it. Where, where you take lyrics and music and put them together to make such beautiful music, right? Um, God calls us to make culture. That's why we start in a garden, but we never return to that garden. Did you notice that? The garden comes back to us in Revelation 22 as a city. As a city full of culture, right? Full of the glory of the Lord with buildings and relationships and and structures and meaningful labor. Heaven isn't sitting on a cloud and and, and strumming a a guitar, right? Or a harp. Heaven, Heaven is earth beautified. It is, it is people marrying and having children and, and, and people glorying in who we were created to be. I, I have to stop myself because, because Jesus said explicitly that there won't be marriage in heaven. There will be meaningful, meaningful uh, relationships and meaningful work. We don't just retire in heaven. So I want to encourage you. Worship is not something we do at 1026 Oak Hill Road between 9 and 10. No, the same word, cultivate and culture, come from the word for worship, cult, right? It's a good word. It has bad expressions when you false worship, but it's a good word. And what I think God is saying to us is that work is not something different than worship, in fact. Work is worship, but it's done for the glory of God. So don't settle for less. And don't, and don't retire and, and say, I'm done, I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna sit on my hands. No, right now, whether you're preparing for a a lifetime vocation or in the midst of it, or whether you have ended your labors for resources and now are completely free to serve God full-time, let's let's worship God through our work. And then, whether he comes tomorrow, or whether he doesn't come for 10,000 years, it won't matter. It won't matter. Because we have brought his kingdom to earth now. Amen.
1: Let's go.